You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The first shots in a burgeoning trade war were fired Friday as President Donald Trump's tariffs on $34 billion worth of Chinese imports took effect, and predictably, the Chinese imposed tariffs on $34 billion in U.S. exports, including on cars. Companies such as Herman Miller, General Motors, and Harley-Davidson have warned that this may force them to restructure, significantly raise prices for consumers here, or take their operations overseas. For his part, the president says, go ahead. He's daring these companies to move overseas and saying that they will regret it and that he is sure that his supporters are going to back him over them. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But one thing is really clear. This trade war is not just a test of our economy and economic dynamics across the globe. It's also, importantly, a test of conservatism in this country. Can you think of a conservative politician ever who has embraced protectionism as a means to economic growth? And Have you ever seen conservative politicians cower before a president whose policies promise so much economic destruction? What's it going to take for Trump to back off of what he is doing? And what will it take for conservatives in Congress and elsewhere to say, enough, this isn't even who we are? A little later in the program, we're going to talk with Jeffrey Dorfman, a conservative economist from the University of Georgia, to get his take on all of this. But first, I want to welcome Sheikha Dalmia to the program. She is a libertarian who joins us frequently on the show to talk about the strange new world and bedfellows being inspired by Donald Trump. In a recent article titled Donald Trump's Motorcycle Gang, she writes, Trump's wrath will only grow because Harley Davidson is far from the last company that is going to flee America if the president escalates his multi-front front trade war. Harley Davidson is moving because it wants to shield itself from the retaliatory tariffs that America's European trading partners imposed on it in response to Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs on their companies. American automakers and electronics manufacturers are facing an identical dilemma and are likely to be the next domino to fall unless Trump realizes that his trade war is backfiring and backs off. Sheikha Dalmia, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me on, Stephen. Yeah. So uh, everyone warned that this is what would happen if Donald Trump followed through on his campaign promises, which included uh, tariffs and punishment for countries that he says uh, are not playing fair in in trade. Uh, Are we seeing the predictable fallout from that or are there things that maybe we didn't expect to happen that have that have happened? Uh, no, I think this is all pretty predictable. Uh, uh, so far, uh, exactly what people had said uh, would happen has ha- is happening. If the mm-hmm. United States goes protectionist uh, for reasons of job protection, other countries are going to be forced to do the same thing. And it's not just China that has, as you mentioned, retaliated. Um, our European part, trading partners are retaliating as well mm-hmm. as our, our uh, you know, Canadian and uh, Mexican trading partners. I mean, and you mentioned Harley-Davidson, which was the subject of my column. Mm-hmm. The reason Harley-Davidson is moving to Europe is because after America imposed its tariffs uh, on Harley-Davidson, uh, on uh, European aluminum and steel, Harley Davidson, uh, uh, our European allies imposed uh, countervailing tariffs on Harley Davidson, and it now it makes sense for the motorcycle company to actually move to Europe to consolidate its supply chains. It used to get parts from Europe. 
uh, produce them, manufacture the uh, motorcycles here. Uh, but now, if it's going to face the aluminum tariffs and it's going to face tariffs in Europe when it sends its motorcycles back, it yeah. may as well move its, uh, in, its entire operations to uh, Europe. So, so far, everything is predictable. What's unpredictable is what's, what Donald Trump is going to do about that. And Donald Trump has been saying, has been threatening not just our allies abroad, it's also threatening American uh, domestic uh, manufacturers. So he has told Harley Davidson mm-hmm. it's going to regret what it's doing because he's going to import, he's going to impose taxes on it when it brings its motorcycles back. Now that's going to be if he manages to do that, that's going to be huge because mm-hmm. that'll mean not only protectionism abroad but protectionism at home as well. Mm. Uh, nobody really knows exactly how he's going to pull that off. These kinds of targeted tariffs at particular companies have never been tried before. It's unclear what legal rationale he's going to use. But look, this is a man who used a national security rationale to impose tariffs on Mexico and Canada. And so what he's going to come up with is anybody's guess at this time, but that's where the uncertainty right now is. So if if you are giving Donald Trump the benefit of the doubt and saying, okay, there is a there is some legitimate aim behind all of this. In other words, that there is some legitimate goal that he has in mind behind the actions that he's taking. What what would you say that is? What what is the what is the thought that he that he might uh, achieve something here? What is that wrapped around? Uh, I mean, his stated rationale is that he wants to uh, create more jobs in the United States. It's an America first, uh, you know, agenda. Mm-hmm. He's been pretty clear about that. He thinks that if uh, he can force other countries to buy more goods from the United States, that'll mean more manufacturing jobs in the United States. You know, what he doesn't get is that the reason there are fewer manufacturing-related jobs in the United States is not because of trade, but because our manufacturers have become so good at increasing productivity that we don't need as many manufacturing jobs. So our uh, manufacturing as a percentage of the economy, um, you know, as the GDP is actually quite big, is much bigger than what it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. But the number of jobs relative to that size are still going down because our output is, uh, you know, our productivity is increasing. Um, workers can do more with their uh, labor. And uh, so this kind of uh, trade war, and he's fixated increasingly on the trade deficit, uh, which is, you know, every economist of any repute will tell you that trade deficit, just because we have more money to buy more goods from our trading partners, does not mean that we are losing out on jobs. It just means we have more money and they have more things to sell us uh, than we have to, you know, than uh, that we have money to buy from them. Mm. And so this is a very, very lopsided and uh, misguided way of thinking about it. But he seriously thinks if he can close the trading, uh, the trade deficit, and he can force them to buy more goods from us, that somehow he will be able to keep jobs in America. Mm-hmm. 
This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Sheikha Dalmia, a columnist and senior analyst at the Reason Foundation. She recently wrote an article titled Donald Trump's Motorcycle Game for the Week. Uh, it is about the president's new tariffs on $34 billion on uh, uh, worth of Chinese goods that he is imposing tariffs on. Uh, in return, they are imposing tariffs on $34 billion worth of U.S. exports. Uh, this is an escalation in the trade war that the president has said he wanted to start and has now officially begun. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and tell us what you think about this approach to trade. Tell us what you think about this approach to job growth. Will tariffs on imports to this country force other countries to buy more goods from the United States and therefore create more jobs? The president says they will. Do you think that's true or not true? Do you think this is uh, playing with uh, Armageddon, economic Armageddon, engaging in this kind of protectionism as uh, U.S. trade policy? Um, what do you think is an alternative perhaps to this? What's another way to deal with un unfair actors on the world trade stage? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Also, call and tell us, if, especially if you're a conservative, what do you think about this protectionist strain in the president's policies? And what do you think Republicans in particular ought to say and do about that protectionism? Is that something that now is just going to be part of the conservative agenda? Or is this just something they got to go along with uh, because Donald Trump is president. Uh, Sheikha, I want to put that question to you. Uh, conservatives have, have gone back on, I think, a lot of their principled stands since Donald Trump became the frontrunner in 2016 in the Republican primaries and then won the nomination and the election. Sort of a cascading effect, it feels like. But, but this one seems particularly odd to me, I guess. The, this is such a fundamental pillar of conservative economic thought, the idea of free markets. Um, I, I'm really curious about this inability of Republicans in Congress and elsewhere to stand up and say, well, hold on a second. This is not what we believe, and we can't support this. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, I wish that were the case. It doesn't seem like um, the conservative party is uh, waking up mm -hmm. by any stretch. Look, this is not the first piece of the conservative agenda that Donald Trump has uh, abandoned at this stage, right? Sure. I mean, they elected a man who was a serial adulterer, um, who had multiple marriages. Um, uh, you know, they made him the family values uh, party's candidate, right? Uh, they were also a party of fiscal responsibility mm -hmm. that wanted to tackle government spending and deficits and debt, and all of that has, uh, you know, blown up completely in their faces. Uh, entitlement reform, which was a signature issue for Republicans, is no longer on the agenda. Right. Uh, they are not talking about fixing that. 
Um, even immigration. I mean, Republicans, it used to be that Democrats, if I may remind your listeners, were hostile to immigration, whereas it was Republicans for a while, at least, who wanted more immigration, especially of the high-skilled variety. Mm-hmm. And Donald, Donald Trump has no use for any of that. And now uh, this was, I think, the last piece of the conservative agenda, which was free trade. And uh, again, Bill Clinton managed to pass NAFTA, not with Democratic votes, but actually with Republican votes. And so this is just, you know, to me, it's off a, off a piece. It's a sad but very quick uh, decimation of everything that conservatives have ever stood for. And, um, I mean, I'm not sure if they did not stand up to him when it came, to, it came to increasing debts and deficits or, you know, a whole lot of these other things, whether they are and or they can stand up to him now. Uh, look, I mean, for the conservatives, the problem is that, you know, so long as the president stays popular with the base, uh, you're not going to find a whole lot of conservatives mm-hmm. who are going mm-hmm. to stand up to him. It's about staying in power. It's about getting votes. And if they have to adjust uh, to Donald Trump, uh, then they will do that. I think the game is over if this trade war that he's launching actually starts to hurt um, people who vote for Republicans and they change their mind. Right. I think that's when conservatives will wake up. Everything else, you know, Parties change. I mean, Republicans used to be the anti-slavery party once upon a time. Uh, Democrats were the pro-slavery party. I mean, all of that is now, you know, no longer the case. Parties change uh, all the time, and we've seen that in our own lifetime. And uh, so, you know, the conservatives will stick to their agenda when conservatives' voters demand that they stick to their agenda. I'm not really seeing any signs of that as of now. Mm -hmm. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Let's go to Scott in Southfield. Scott, welcome to Detroit today. Uh, uh, Thank you. Uh So first, make it clear, I'm not a Trump supporter at all. Okay. Uh, But what he's doing now, and what he's doing now is reckless. But... We have to be honest, for the last 30 years, the Democrats have often dropped the ball when it comes to trade. Go back to Bill Clinton and pushing through NAFTA. You know, they didn't include labor union protections or Mexican labor unions. They didn't include environmental protections, largely. Later, they tacked on a few things, but they they were really weak. And then when the Chinese began killing us on manufacturing, the Chinese engaged in currency manipulation to the nth degree, and we... We condemned it verbally, but we never did anything about it. So the Democrats have to look look at their past policy, and they have to really reconsider hmm. their position. Uh, so, so on balance, Scott, would you say that the net effect of NAFTA was a loss for the United States, or was it a gain? It's a gain for American corporation profit, uh-huh. but it's a loss for American for workers. For workers, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and what the president is doing, do you think that will be— a gain for American workers? No, he's doing it in such a reckless fashion that he'll probably throw us into a recession. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott, I really appreciate the call uh, and, and the comments. Uh, Shika, what, what Scott's saying there, I, I think, is sort of unassailable, the idea that we just haven't handled trade policy all that well for a really long time in this country, and Democrats bear as much responsibility for that as Republicans do. 
Well, I mean, look, I, 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 NAFTA could have been done better, but I don't. This, what Scott uh, articulated, was the standard leftist critique of NAFTA, right? That we don't have protections for uh, labor, and so we are going to get a race to the bottom. That actually hasn't happened. Uh, NAFTA, I think, has succeeded spectacularly in its purpose, which is to increase trade within the north, uh, you know, in the northern hemisphere. So, uh, well, I think I think his point is that that if you look at the wage degradation that's taken place over that time, in, in part because of NAFTA, that that's another it's another dynamic that that legislation introduced. But the way, you know, we haven't had had wage degradation, right? I mean, like uh, uh, wages have stayed pretty steady. And look, I mean, people sort of forget. They think that if we didn't have NAFTA, we could somehow keep paying the American worker, uh, you know, a whole lot more than we are paying now. But there is, you know, the market will only bear a certain amount. If we didn't have NAFTA, where we were keeping, we were integrating supply chains within the Northern Hemisphere, what would have happened is a lot of companies would have moved abroad. Uh, Ford Motor Company wouldn't be producing goods in uh, Mexico. It would be producing goods in China, even more, um, you know, and so this idea that somehow NAFTA is what's produced job losses or produced job stagnation in America, I think is really, really a myth. I think NAFTA has actually done the opposite. It has kept jobs over here. Um, so, uh, you know, so, but what is interesting is that uh, this critique of NAFTA, which used to be articulated by the left, is now being articulated by the right, uh, that um, you know the American worker is suffering because of NAFTA. I mean, I don't. Agree All right, with Donald it, but Trump says again, the same thing. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Shikadalmi, a columnist and senior analyst at Reason Foundation. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, as always, on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Up next, we're going to continue our conversation about trade and the economy. Jeffrey Dorfman, an economist from the University of Georgia, is going to join us. Stay with us and stay with us on the phone. Scott Novi, Lucille in Clinton Township, Damon in Detroit. We will get to you next as well. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about tariffs, the tariffs that President Donald Trump has imposed on Chinese imports, $34 billion worth of goods that face tariffs now. In response, China says it will impose $34 billion worth of tariffs on U.S. exports into that country. We are seeing the trade war, the burgeoning trade war, spiral up as the president does what he says he was always going to do back in 2016. When he was running for the presidency, he said he wanted to deal with the trade imbalances we have with several countries and that he would consider at least tariffs to do it. Uh, we want to continue the conversation now with Jeffrey Dorfman, who is a professor of agriculture, agricultural and applied economics at the University of Georgia. Jeffrey, welcome to Detroit Today. Hey, Stephen. Always good to be with you. Yes, great to hear your voice as well. Uh, tell us what you make of this trade war, of this spiraling up of 
tariffs and counter tariffs and threats that uh, that companies that leave the country will face taxes on the goods that they bring back if they do that. Uh, is this good for the American economy and the global economy, or is this a portend of disaster? Um, I'd like to choose option C, neither of the above. <laughs> okay. it's, bad, it's bad for the economy, uh, but it is not likely to rise to the level of disaster unless things really go off the rails. We are hurting our economy, but we're only hurting it a little. Huh. And 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 why is it why is it not uh, why is it not hurting the economy more? Well, so free trade is good for the economy. It benefits us more through lower prices than it hurts us from job losses or other problems. But the gains are surprisingly smaller than a lot of people think. For example, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which mm-hmm. would have been a 12-country free trade agreement that we pulled out of. Its own supporters estimated it would increase U.S. GDP by four-tenths of one percent. Hmm. So that's like two or two months or so worth of economic growth. And so these things are small in the big scheme of things. Yeah, uh, but but the rhetoric that surrounds this, you have the, the president talking very, very tough about tariffs and punitive measures that he might take for against countries or against companies that that respond to this by moving overseas you have the chinese and the europeans talking tough and doing things doesn't that create a climate of instability that also has an effect on the economy uh, it definitely does there are a number of reports of corporations delaying plans for investment that uh, the trump tax cuts had encouraged them to make because now they're uncertain about demand for their products due to the trade wars. So a lot of things are sort of on hold right now while people wait to see how this all shakes out. Yeah. Uh, how long do trade wars typically last? Uh, is this something that we will see unfold perhaps over the next several years? Or is this the kind of thing that sort of encourages hotheads to sort of cool off and, and back down just a little bit? I'm hoping it's going to be short. There isn't a lot of precedent for this. Uh, trade wars are something we have not done in mm-hmm. a couple of generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, And also, it's unclear to me with President Trump whether tradition or history gives us any guide at all to what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I think we don't know how this is going to play out. But normally, I guess I would expect this to be fairly quick. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones to join the conversation. Let's go to Damon in Detroit. Damon, welcome to Detroit today. How you doing today, Stephen? Right. Um, my question is, um, a long line with what you just asked. How? What is going to be the lingering effect? Because one, we have a per, we have a president who's being very belligerent in which he's um, indoctrinating or starting this these tariffs and these trade wars and. Do we think that as a country that it's just going to last these next couple of years or um, or if he's elected another term until he's out of office and is that the rest of the world is going to look at America as it did prior to 2016? Hmm. Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, because you already have a problem with um, Canada. Mexico, we're sure. talking about our allies, and we're talking about, you know, someone that may not be as allied with our, us. Our enemies so. as well. Yeah. Damon, thanks very much for the call and the question. 
Jeffrey Dorfman has a, a slightly different kind of question, which is even if this is short-lived, are we doing more permanent damage to the relationships that lead to healthy trade? Um, so in general, most countries and businesses don't take things like this personally. So I don't know that there's long-term damage. On the other hand, in terms of thinking that it's short-term, we need to remember that President Trump's stance on trade was pretty much the Democratic Party's stance on trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so this, you know, certainly Bernie Sanders campaigned on roughly the same thing. Hillary went from having negotiated the Trans-Pacific Partnership to opposing it when she ran for president. Uh, if a Democrat wins the White House in the next election, it is unclear that trade is the area where they will reverse uh Donald Trump's policies. It's the place they're most likely to continue doing roughly the same thing. Uh, although I would, I would, I guess I would say that, that the Democratic position is slightly different in the sense that it is about trying to protect American labor more than it is uh, concerned about the trade imbalance. And, and I, I guess I, I see those things as somewhat distinct in the way that they sort of inspire uh, solutions. Is that, is that right? I, I think of them as different narratives to the same story. I mean, the, Trump is upset about the trade deficit because he right. thinks it's costing America jobs. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, it's it's really two sides of the same coin. It, and, and they're both wrong. Um, trade doesn't cost America jobs. Trade actually creates more jobs than it destroys. So, so we have more jobs when we have more trade. Mm-hmm. But what about this idea of fair trade? And I think both, both of the interests we're talking about use that word. What, is that, a, in your mind, a legitimate criticism of the way things have been going? And is it a legitimate aim to say that, that the way that we trade with other countries can be different and more beneficial to people in this country? Now, that's a great question. I actually wrote a Forbes column on exactly that, and the answer is that trade's not supposed to be fair. The whole reason the trade makes us richer is that it's unfair. The reason we have international trade is some other countries are better at doing things than we are. And if we buy those things from them, then more Americans can focus on making the things that we're better at. So we can import clothes and shoes, and we can export uh, Boeing airplanes and video games and agricultural products and high-tech scientific equipment. If we have to make all the shoes, then somebody can't be making those other things. Mm-hmm. And it's, in fact, exactly the unfairness of different countries being better at different things that makes free trade so wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, thanks very much for the call, Damon, and the question. Let's go to Scott in Novi. Scott, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Um, I'm a truck driver, mm-hmm. and I've I've hauled I've hauled um, freight off of all the all the border crossings to Mexico, a steady stream of it. Uh, but I don't believe that Mexico uh, trade with Mexico or NAFTA is affecting uh, manufacturing jobs. I've also been in a lot of factories, mm-hmm. and our job workers' jobs have been replaced by robots. Not by trade with Mexico, hmm. not by trade with other countries. Hmm. And my final point is, is that I, I, in my heart of hearts, don't believe that Americans care about about trade, uh, because given most people, most working people, given the opportunity, will choose price 
over being made in this country. Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting that's a really interesting observation, Scott. I'm glad you called and interjected that. Uh, Jeffrey Dorfman, I'll give you a chance to respond to what Scott's saying there. I think Scott nailed it. Um, although I, the, my one objection would be that I don't think robots are taking our jobs any more than trade. Robots make some jobs disappear, but again, create new jobs, building the robots or programming the robots or doing something else because the robots saved us money. But he, he is definitely spot on that. We have a lot of trade because Americans choose a lower-priced product over an American-made product. Mm. That is undoubtedly true, and the proof of how much we care about low prices, you can find every time you go to an airport and you see people that put up with all sorts of indignities in air travel in order to get a plane ticket that's 10 bucks cheaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Jeffrey Dorfman. Uh, professor of Agricultural and Applied Economics at the University of Georgia. It's always great to have you join us here on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. Remember, we are asking you to read with us this summer. We are reading Matthew Desmond's book, Evicted, for our first-ever Detroit Today book club. You can join our chats online on Facebook or come to one of the many community events that we have planned this summer. Or just tune into the program, and uh, you can hear us talking about this issue all summer long with a variety of guests leading up to Matthew Desmond himself, who will be here later in the summer for an entire hour. Our first event is July 17th at the Ann Arbor Public Library. You can learn more about our book club at WDET.org. I I will be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.